Welcome back to Screenfish Radio. I am so glad you can join us for the season premiere, season nine, season nine of Screenfish Radio. Uh, and I am so excited for the for a big first episode. We have a, a big first group. Uh, I can, I am so thrilled to have back Jolie Feathers, Featherstone, Sheun Aloha Ake, and Chris Utley on the podcast for the first time in a while as well. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you could join me. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Anytime and all the time. I'm. This is going to be a lot of fun. This week, we are talking about The Woman King, directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood. The Woman King is set in the 1800s, where a group of all-female warriors protects the African kingdom of Dahomey, with skills and fierceness unlike anything the world has ever seen. Faced with a new threat, General Naniska trains the next generation of recruits to fight against a foreign enemy that's determined to destroy their way of life. As always, as always, this podcast is rated S for spoilers. Uh, but I, I can't wait to get into this one with you all. But let's just start off. I would love to know what you thought of The Woman King. Are you to the sisterhood? I loved it. I think I missed, we missed the first few minutes, but I was really, like, I was kind of skeptical going into the film, to be honest, but I had a lot of fun watching it. And I think even the more, like, after the film, the more I thought about the film itself, I was like, oh, I, that was a really good movie. So I really liked it. Um, I felt the same way. I absolutely loved it. I was, in, I I kind of felt going into it, I would probably really like it, but I was really blown away by just the scope of it. It was so epic and big. It felt like a classic, like a classic epic tale. Um, I personally really, really loved it. It was one of my favorites that I saw at Tim. The first half I'm watching that and I'm watching and it's like, okay, where's it going? Where's it going? Where's it going? By the time you got that hump into that whole second half and all the way to the end, I was shaking in the theater in a good way. I cannot tell you the sense of pride and just absolute overjoyed emotion that was pouring out of me watching that film. And I'm like, I really hope this does Black Panther level money because it's just Black essence, Black pride like all the things just oozed out on this big cinematic canvas and it's just wow 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 didn't end up doing black panther level numbers but still come in this last weekend at number three on almost eight million that means the word has gotten out that you know this is a good one and i'm not a prophet or anything but we might just see a little uptick after a certain sequel comes out in November because the whole vibe and mood is going to be totally set. So hopefully the people in Culver City and Sony Pictures are kind of taking notes and thinking, hmm, yeah, take advantage of this. But yeah. That's interesting. You think it's still, like you're talking about Black Panther, I, I assume you think it's still going to be in theaters at that point. That's still. Well, not- let let me let me get a little bit film. Let me get back to my film analyst hats. So I'm turning to the Screenfish family. Um, what has happened is there is a um, log. The reason why we have not seen a plethora of film releases is because not it's not a quality thing. It's one of the. It's one of the, not drawbacks, but um, side effects of the COVID pandemic. Because as all the other industries have had work stoppages, the visual effects industry has had a massive work stoppage as well. Because 99% of every film that you see has at least 40 to 60%, if not even more, of visual effects work done to it. So as a result, um, nobody's traveling on location for six months to shoot a scene in New York or Chicago or whatever. It's all green screen. 
And so they're acting on these sets and then they're filling in the stuff later with the effects artists. So there are tons and tons of films that had to stop that process because of COVID and their log jammed and they could not get their release dates into, finished in time, which is why you saw such, you have seen such a dearth of products from Bullet Train all the way up to this moment. You've seen a film here, a film there, but nothing really major, nothing really um, explosive. And again, I was hoping that Woman King would kind of break through and kind of step in the forefront in that box office wise. But in the meantime, while these films have come out, um, some of them are hitting, some of them are missing. The Woman King is one of the ones that has hit. It started out at 19 million for its opening weekend. And now um, week number three, like I said before, it took in 8 million. And with nothing major on the calendar coming until um, the next Halloween film and then Black Adam on October 21st, um, there's not anything else that's really coming. So there's still room in there for a woman king to do another 5 million weekend, 4 million weekend, 3 million weekend. Then by the time you get to Wakanda forever, um, that hopefully all those dashikis that we're wearing on opening weekend and that goodwill is going to make us hunger to try to go back and revisit that story. And I think it's got a real shot to do that. Mm. Just my opinion. That's interesting. I, yeah, that 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 would make a lot of sense. Actually, that's really smart. That's really wise. I, I thought it was. I thought it was just solid. Like just across the board, it was fierce. That was the what I described with described it to Shay when we came out of there. Like they make the Dora Milaje from Black Panther, you know, look like nothing. The these action scenes, just just the action scenes alone, are just like. I mean, they were they were so much more intense than I expected them to be, and that's that's nothing, not even uh, any negative against the film. I just didn't expect what I got uh, in in a better way. Um, I, I came, I I think I think it was talking to Shayun. I said that when when that, when that woman put the knife on the end of that rope and started flinging it around and stuff, like I'm like, this is unbelievable. And and Viola, I mean, I, Viola is amazing in anything she does. Um, but my goodness, she's like there's just a, a a strength in her. There's a fire in her in this film um, that I, you know, that they just sort of unleash. I thought it was, I thought it was really, really well done. I like that you mentioned that weapon that is essentially like you said, like that knife or the blade at the end of the rope. Like even the even down to like the the sound design, like you could hear that weapon swinging and you-, you Swooping could, in the wind, yeah. Yeah, you could hear it. And I just find nowadays um, with a lot of action movies, like the cuts are so quick. Sometimes the sound uh, editing, sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it's a, it's a little bit like kind of unclear that you hear everything quite, um, like quite as, as as clear as that in the woman king so just down to like the technical aspects i just thought it was such an incredibly well-made film yeah i i, I agree i agree and and i still i i am so on board with what you're saying about most action scenes and that there it is so rare it feels like to get a scene where you get to see it play out Mm-hmm. ever since what, what was the uh, the second born movie i was thinking that too i feel mm. like the born movies kind of changed it like they like just the 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 speed of the, the shaky cam yeah, really close-ups and so it's like you're watching the fight <laughs> like this and you can't really see the punch but uh-uh. exactly <laughs> and i and you know what i like there's definitely a place for that, I, I'm not trying to like talk negatively about the Bourne films, but I feel that it it introduced that style of filming an action scene, and so many other movies have kind of just fallen into that path. They're like, oh, it worked for the Bourne movies, so we're just going to do that. So it felt really refreshing to see this classic Hollywood epic where you actually get to feel 
and see the full extent and scope of these battle scenes. Yeah, yeah, it, it's beautiful. And, but I mean, and, and the the storytelling works. I, I admit I was a little thrown by by the uh, the discovery of the daughter. It was a little convenient for me, but I was still on board. Like I was, I was right in with it. I uh, I thought, man. Yeah, I don't know. Just remembering things like the not not sets, I guess, like where where the where the story is set and how they kind of recreate that West African um, environment. Um, I thought was really good. It was very immersive, I would say. So I really like that. I will say also about the daughter thing. I actually quite liked that they included that part in the story because to me, then it, it gave it a little bit more heart I don't know there was just this like okay I'm invested in the character and like like an actual like detail about her life which I, I enjoyed seeing as well but it was good my best character in this film though is um Naoi played by Tusson Bedu I think she did really amazing in this film like she was for me the standout of the movie and I was saying that before too she I think she yeah she carried it really well and I don't know I feel like to stand in a scene with Viola Davis you have to be really good and she she really just she held it down so. Sorry, is that the young woman that was her yes. daughter? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That whole arc with the daughter, I thought, was a fantastic twist. I didn't think it was cliche at all. Mm. I mean, the way that they framed it, the flashback sequences where you saw um, Viola continually being sexually assaulted and how they played that whole revelation and then the tells that they give you that tell that this young lady even though she's adopted absolutely has that rebellious non-conforming spirit that clearly is Viola's character through and through and the revelation of course that um when the child was born the cut was made and the tooth was buried and how that came out and because the things I liked about that is they didn't give us the whole Oh, I'm reunited with mom, let love rule halfway in between that. They let that play out in legitimate wrestling. And even once you start getting to the climax of the story, there was no kumbaya, let's go daughter to daughter, hand in hand for the final battle. Hollywood rigmarole, you know. They let that play out even beyond the climax hmm. to let it show that there still was some time had to pass before they both came to grips and accepted the fact that they share that mother bond, daughter bond in tie. Mm -hmm. So I had no issues with how they executed that. One thing I will say is that, I mean, I, the thing I thought that made it work too is there's a real emphasis on legacy. I think in this film and passing, passing the, the torch to the, to the next, the next wave, the next generation, um in in a in i was gonna say in a good way but i mean that that's not what necessarily what i mean but i mean it comes it, i think that they flesh that out very well is what i was trying to say um i i would love to hear though thinking about that i would love to hear from jolie and shay how you or what you felt about that aspect like as women you know this idea of i mean you have all these all these women passing the, well, the knife, if you will, but I was going to say the torch to, to the next generation to sort of, of warriors. I, 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 I mean, I'm a lame old, old man now. So I, mean, I, I can, I'm asking for, for, for context and help from, uh, from you both. Tell us, tell Chris and I. No, I, I really liked it. And I knew like going in, it was going to be, it's a female-centric film. It's going to be about female empowerment. So I was expecting that. Um, the things I really liked about it was like the idea of sisterhood and the, like they kept saying this thing of no matter where you come from, like now you're in a good you belong here. No one goes alone. We all go together. And he, them literally not just saying that, but living it out. Like if someone, if someone disappears, then we're all going to go look for her. And even if that means we fight, we bleed, we die, so be it. Um, so I really like that. And I think like that's something everybody wants. So it's nice to see. But also um, the thing about like them training the new 
the new warriors, like the older warriors training the new warriors to, to fight. I think it's something that's very, um, I would say common, like for me growing up anyway, and I think for a lot of like my peers growing up like in Nigeria or in other African countries where even though we would say we're a patriarchal society, mothers really do raise the children. And so I grew up with a lot of women raising me. Um, and you kind of see that in this film as well, and to some degree with the older women are teaching the younger women how to defend their, defend their home and to fight for their home and things like that. So I really like that too. Yeah, um, I I also really loved that element as well. And I think it is um, sort of a, a classic tale, but I don't know that we've really seen it with a mother and a daughter as much. Like there's films like these epic tales where I can think of sort of like the father training the son or passing the torch over to the son. I don't like, you know, just off the top of my head, I can't think of too many films that do that, or at least on this kind of scale that the woman king did. And that's um, something I just, I, I personally really loved to see it. I feel like it's been a movie that's, or a story that's just a long time coming. You know, there, I think that I kind of am sad that I, that this movie didn't come out when I was a kid and I could go see it with my mom, you know? Um, but I'm happy now as an adult that that we have this film and that uh, young young girls will be able to see it with their parents and stuff. Or even like, I might take my mom to go see it if I can <laughs> get some time to go with her. But just being able to, to share that experience and share in that kind of um, epic story uh, between mothers and daughters, I really, really loved it. and. I loved the um, the sense of community amongst like the it's it's such an interesting combination of uh, you know like the 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 militaristic aspect of you know you're training you're fighting to um, you know uh, protect the kingdom but at the same time there's very much a sense of community and raising up the community around you and and um, kind of keeping uh, integrity in everything. So I just found that, I, I love that notion on this very intentional um, sense of community and keeping uh, the community like the front uh, focus. Um, yeah, I just, I, I just loved everything about it. <laughs> to put, make a long story short, I feel like I'm rambling, but there's just so much to be said. I feel like there's so many layers to this film. We could, we could talk for hours about it, but I, I did love seeing a mother and a daughter kind of epic tale like this. And I really love seeing a story that really focused on like community and being very intentional, intentional about, you know, supporting and protecting community. Now there was one part that I clearly did not love, which reeks of studio executive interference. And that's the cockamamie subplot with the guy from Spain whose mom was kidnapped from Dahomey and he comes back and he falls in love with the daughter and it's like, eh, I didn't need that. I did not need that. Especially right at the end before the final battle and it's clear that they slept together. It's like, why? No. 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 But she doesn't go with him. I like the. I, I was okay with it because she didn't go with him. I thought if she went with him, what I was I was hoping that she didn't go with him at the end. And uh, they gave you the little tension split, you know, the back and forth, the back and forth. And then, what? What did she give him? The smile, or head nod, and just keeps him pushing with the warriors, and he kind of goes away. It was like they really were necessary. It's like they hit all the Hollywood cliche buttons. It's like she's out there. Trying to, because what was it she's told that you'll find the thing to help you forge your weapon? I don't remember exactly what that was, but she's out there in the waterfalls and she finds the thing to refine her weapon. And guess who just so happens to be there? Sprung, nose all wide open, like, please come and see me at the end. Sit down, dude. We got bigger stuff to fry. He's trying to be a warrior. There's no time for you. Sit out somewhere. <laughs> I did but, not need that. But, you know, I, I will say this. I will say this. I, I mean, it, that's fair. 
at the end of the film, there, I feel like, and I, please correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't seen a lot of stories where when the couple, if a couple splits up at the end, the woman sort of is the one that looks more empowered when they split up. Because, you know, from the, and, and again, maybe I'm just misremembering things, uh, but I feel like in these moments, usually what happens is the man is like torn away. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, I have to leave you. Yeah. That thing. <laughs> she, she, she leaves him and it's like, yeah, I'm making the call. I'm making the call. And I thought that, I, I liked that. I thought that was a really interesting so what are they going to do in the sequel? He's going to find his way back to the homie to win her heart. And come on now. I, I'm sorry. I just didn't need that. That's what this movie needed was a romance sequel. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the woman king. Love versus honor. <laughs> Coming to theaters 2025. <laughs> Terrifying is that's exactly the type of title we would get. <laughs> and and almost all the original cast will be gone except for one person. <laughs> Till you know. be Viola and the girl Viola will have grayer hair and the woman will come into her own and then the dude's gonna come back <laughs> with all these freed Spanish slaves for them to train. I'm coming to bring you gifts. Please train them as warriors so we can have our own uprising back. You should not have done this. <laughs> no, I thought of you. I'm glad we're recording this because I feel like I'm watching the sequel right now. This is this it's an unraveling right before our eyes. It's definitely recording. Blame it on my theater degree. I was gonna say if this sequel comes out just like this, you have record proof that you that you've made this story beforehand. Copyright, little C yeah. with a circle around. <laughs> and I will raise a holy ruckus all on that chat that we have. It's like, no, they did not. He will tell you I'm over the top with my reactions to stupidity. You don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, to me, that sort of redeemed that, that storyline. You're right. They're, they're trying to hit as many of the quadrants as they can. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I appreciate. I'm sorry. He was a distraction. <laughs> he was a distraction. It's Eyes on the prize. Focus. <laughs> you have one job, sister. One job. You don't need side trying to interrupt and derail your. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. I just didn't like more that. Dramatic. It's not that, like, she's actually, it makes the choice more dramatic. She's got to choose. It added another time. unnecessary <laughs> 20 minutes to the <laughs> running that. time is what it did. It was not a difficult choice, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think if she had to choose you, this guy and be a good to, she would be like, oh, which one do I go for? <laughs> But in love and become honor. a warrior, save my village. Whoa. Save my village. Whoa. I'm going to go for love. How will you say I'm wrong. It was kind of like a um like flipping the stereotype on its head in the sense that he was sort of That's like true. A da damsel in distress, or like you know, uh, even he's not. He, he definitely a was a damsel in distress. <laughs> that dude was not an alpha male to say the least. His boy was, but he was not. I definitely felt like he was kind of yeah, like he was like you said, kind of a distraction. Like he's there to um, yeah, or, or and Steve as well. I know you mentioned like raising the stakes of that decision of like oh well there's this potential love interest and stuff um i was i was also happy too i think the ending where she they kind of like exchange and all they sort of like recognize each other like yep yeah, okay you know this is my this is our choice and 
um, wish you well, but <laughs> going back, um, I thought that kind of redeemed that sort of like storyline to me, but yeah, it's interesting. I didn't even think about how the film would be if you removed that storyline. It, it, in a sense, thinking about it, you probably could have taken that storyline out and it wouldn't have take like wouldn't have detracted from the film. You know what I, I thought was interesting, and this is strictly male perspective in the film. Strictly, strictly male. Oh, bear with red me. Red light. No, 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 red no. Light. no. Oh, hear me out. Hear me out. The, the storyline of this, um, st I'm sticking with this romance here, the storyline of this guy, a lot of times in a male-centric action film, what I see is that if there's a romance, in order for the woman to feel empowered, they have to find something for her to do in the film. So it's sort of like in the big battle scene, it's, oh, I'll, I'll rescue the children or I'll, I'll do this. In this film, I noticed that it's entirely reversed. It's flipped. It's totally flipped. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, I think I think he saves one guy uh, at the ships at the boat. Doesn't he rescue a guy and then every then they all be he him? rescues a guy and then he supervises his bestie getting killed. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. Yeah. Pretty this, much. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it was interesting as a man to watch that and say, this is exactly the amount of screen time that a woman normally gets in a male-centric action film, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, now that you put it that way, that was actually freaking brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. To, to do that role reversal like that. That's yeah. a good point, Steve. That's what I was trying to say with, like, damsel stress. Like, that notion of... He got I understand to you now. one sort of heroic thing, which is in a lot of movies, it's like, yeah, the 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 central hero is usually a guy, and then the love interest kind of gets to do one sort of heroic thing, and then you don't really, they're not really pro prioritized, like they're not really profiled yeah. much in the film. So that's kind of how I felt his character was. It was like very much like that role reversal. Yeah, I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and I actually, I appreciated it from that level because I not appreciated that they did that, but I appreciated that they did that because it is important that they did that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but uh, I thought that was really interesting. Okay. I, I, I would like to open a Pandora's box if I may. And it's a genuine question that I have. I, I'd mentioned it in our chat. Um, the film itself, as it came, as, as it has come out, it's been very well received, critics, uh, you know, critically. But one of the things that has come out, and I actually, uh, Shay, you told me this when we saw the film, mm -hmm. is that history has been changed for the sake of the storytelling. I, I and I'm, I'm, I know I'm gonna mess this up, so please, I know, I know you know what I'm. I know you know it, so maybe I should just ask you to to tell me a little bit about that. But you know, the the question is, does that matter? Does it matter that they've made these changes? But Shay, can you talk a little bit about the changes there? Um, yeah. So the the Homi, who the people that the Aguji are defending, they're part of the the Homi tribe. They in history were slave traders. Um, and that was how they made their wealth. It was through the slave trade. And so as the British um, finally decided to abolish slave trade, the Dahomey were, they, they didn't want to essentially because this is how they made their money. And so there were many, many times when they would not adhere, I guess, to this new law from the British um, to the point where the British had to try and like stop them from capturing slaves and selling them, I think, essentially. And um, But what the film did was at the end of the film, the king, King Kezo, he's like, oh, we shouldn't do this anymore because it hurts our people. Like he came to that decision by himself, whereas in real life, that was not the case. Um, mm. yeah, I think there are many like facets to that. I don't think there's a really clear cut answer to your question, but I'll just end there for now. <laughs> it's very interesting. I wasn't aware of that actual part of History that they continued with the um, slave trade after all was done. That was up a whole new 
perspective on things. Yeah. I mean, and not exclusive to this film, not exclusive to this film here. This happens all the time when, and in fact, now what I'm, I've, I think I've heard this more now from this generation than any, than, than any other films before that people will rip a, a film to shreds because they didn't, you know, follow the facts. But I, I, I would love to know. I honestly, I'm wrestling with this myself. Does that change our enjoyment of any film and this film specifically as well? Should it? I feel like part of the like reason for the backlash or the outcry is because of how film and TV are very culturally iconic, for lack of a better word. They can really put people in the limelight and make them the good guys in our narrative, whatever that is in our lives. Um, and so with things like even like the Dahmer TV show that came out, things like that, where people are like, we should stop making TV shows about serial killers. Because even though we know they're villains in the story, somehow because they're the focus, we see them as the good guys in a weird way. Or like we sympathize with them and then they're like, what's the word? Uh, immoralized. Is that the word? Not immoralized. No, Whatever. I, they're, I know yeah, what you mean. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think that's like that's where that stems from of if we hype these people up now, we can make them heroes in our in our everyday like narrative. Um, but then on the other hand, I don't know. I always think like this is what I read in the review. I, I said that it would be interesting if we maybe if we started telling stories like this, for example, where we didn't have to like change the fact that they didn't want to stop the slave trade and leave the viewer to make up their mind about whether they like this person or not. Um, but then also because like, I think if you do research into any like people group, there's gonna be stuff you find that you're not a fan of. Um, and I wonder if that's reason enough to not hear like their own story. That's, that's where the question then goes. Because for example, I was doing research today again about the other group that they fight in this film is the Oyo Empire, which is an empire in Nigeria, which is where I'm from. And the Oyo Empire also sold slaves. It was like they were both fighting for like top slave trader. Um, but like, if you asked me, I wouldn't say, oh, because the Oyo Empire sold slaves, we should never hear from them. Because for me, that's like, well, we, we have stories to tell us still. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, that's my answer. I love it. That's a whole slippery slope right there. It's a whole slippery slope. And it's even slipperier, slipperier for a Nigerian and an African-American to really ponder. Because, I mean, I don't think at the end of the day it's going to change my love for the film and my love for the story and then as a as we all know when you're dealing with hollywood there is the give and take that they do to embellish narrative for their own benefits and a lot of what is true does get cut sliced diced retold and repackaged in a friendly way in order to boost audience prospects. It's what they do. But I think what uplifts that whole climax over and above everything else was the journey to go and rescue their tribes, women, and people. And then just the way that they just fearlessly went about doing it, that was merciless. And when I say merciless, I'm talking action movie trope. Merciless, I mean, there was no hesitancy. It, 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 that, that was a sight to see those African women and men gaining payback over the quote-unquote colonizers. 
the way that they did in the way that it was executed. And I was just like, wow, I wasn't expecting to see that in a movie. Oh, boy. Because I saw it in a theater. It might have been like 10 of us in the theater because it was like opening Friday afternoon. I'm th- and I'm thinking, what if I saw this in the theater that was pretty much full of my people? Would they be clapping and hooting and hollering and screaming and like, ah, would, they be, would this one be like in-game or something? <laughs> they brought everybody back and then all of a sudden the Spider-Man's fighting alongside Black Panther alongside, you know, would that, would that reaction have been that way at the side of that? I'm digressing and rambling on myself, but I'm just looking at that in terms of history. I don't know how accurate that final battle was, but that whole imagery of them get gaining the upper hand and viciously taking dominance over those British who were enslaving them and attacking them in the source of so much bloodshed and conflict for something to see and my heart is a little sunk with the revelation that that was a Hollywood embellishment but in this world of cinematic fantasy it's one of those well it sure would have been nice if that happened in real life but I'll take the movie for what it's worth yeah it's um it's a really massive question and I think that um you know it I think now especially uh in the era that we live in where we have much more access to information it's a question that becomes more prominent um and yet at the same time um it's interesting because uh if a film is, you know, if we look back at films that were made um, before the internet was as accessible and as prominent as it is now, um, you know, say if you go back to a film in the 1950s or something before the internet was like as widespread and accessible as it is now, um, if someone were to make uh, a film based on a story that is sort of projecting itself as, um, you know, fact, factual or historical, um, people at that time- I mean, look no further than, um, was it Lawrence Olivier or Charles Heston, whoever it was who played Othello, a black man. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like 12, like, there's 12 gazillion examples of that. Yeah. Elizabeth Taylor played an Egyptian queen, Cleopatra. Yeah. Come on now. Exactly. And like back in, in that time, you know, you weren't uh, able to go on your phone immediately after the movie and look up, hey, how factual is this? And look up research, you know. Uh, so it's interesting because now in some, in, in some ways, um, you know, if we see a film now, we have that access to the information so we can do our own research. So we can be hopefully like somewhat, you know, media literate um, going into the film knowing, you know what, this is based off historical events. It may not be like a documentary and like completely factual, but at least we now have better access to resources to kind of do our own research and and education after the fact. Um, But sometimes I also think of, um, there's a Canadian author, Jan Martel, that wrote Life of Pi, and he kind of did a, um, he did a whole kind of talk about, like, there's, I forget how he put it, obviously, he has a much better way with words than I do, but he said, um, there's more than one way to, like, tell the truth, and that's kind of what the whole book of, like, Life of Pi is about, where the retelling of the story isn't necessarily 100% factual, but the essence of it is still helpful in some way. So I, I definitely think that there is merit to, you know, you know, films that aren't necessarily 100% like factual, but I think it really depends on how it's done. 
Um, is, is it punching down by doing so? Like, I think that's when you really get more into an area where um, narratives can be uh, wrongly made or, or skewed. Um, but I think if they're done like in service of something, then it can, it can be another like storytelling tool. Yes, it really is a tough question. I mean, it's the season premiere. We gotta <laughs> gotta start big. <laughs> start big. Uh, a mile like investors, huh? <laughs> ratings up. <laughs> but, Don't miss the controversial <laughs> but, season but, one premiere. Season one premiere. That's right. Um, season nine, my bad. Season. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um. I, I honestly, I keep going back and forth, not just like, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of talk about, about Blonde, which I haven't seen um, on Netflix. And now, Chris, I know Netflix is a streaming service um, that isn't. <laughs> the like joke to... is over. I subscribe <laughs> no, I to every last Chris... one of them puppies now. <laughs> you won't believe the stuff that I've watched. I will I shout out titles and you will faint. You saw that? <laughs> this guy saw Power of the Dog and Coda. It's, uh, that, Look at I, your face. Look at your face. Uh-huh. <laughs> what I tell you? The, the, the running joke is, is that Chris, Chris prefers theater above all else, which I do too. Uh, but anyway, that neither here nor there for the conversation. Um, but, but no, I mean, it, I liked what you said, Jolie, about punching down. I I keep coming back to the idea of expectation. Like, what do we what do we expect? And I don't mean what do we expect from from a film. What are we expecting the film to to give us? Are we expecting the film to tell us the facts? Because I mean, they can get away with based on a true story. It is based on a true story. It doesn't say that it is a true story. It says it's based on it. Every last one of them you've ever seen is based on a true story. That's that stinger right after the studio logos. It's absolutely with the ominous black with the white print based on a true story with the stinger with the keyboard. <laughs> it's true. And and yet every one of these stories that we hear has it. it there's probably there's probably shadows to to characters that that are made heroic in almost every character in every one of these films in one way or another. It, does that make it right? I'm not necessarily again. I don't know. But again, it comes down to expectation. Like because this film, I think, is an important film for today. I think it's incredibly important um, from its themes of of empowerment, the 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 African American cast. You know, um, and the African cast, mm -hmm. the African cast, absolutely. Like this is this is an important film for today. But I, I oh, I I just I go back and forth because it's not like I would sit here and say, well, the truth doesn't matter. That's not what I'm suggesting. But like even even a documentary is constructed to tell a certain story. Even this podcast is constructed to tell a certain story. Like we didn't, we didn't see all four of us doing the Macarena before it started because I edited all that out. <laughs> <laughs> Chris just shakes his head. Um, I think we should start all podcasts like that going forward. <laughs> Everyone, uh, Zoom uh, camera on. Right. Welcome to Screenfish. <laughs> um, but. But in all seriousness, everything is constructed with with a but but maybe there's a certain level of trust when we sit down in a theater and this and the screen the the screen lights up that that we just expect what and we're you can with. amplify that by one thousand talking about black audiences mm. sitting sitting and watching black stories in theaters. Okay. That sucker is elevated to a whole nother percentile, and you got to be on your A game. And it is all, 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 all delivery. Well, okay, so so no, focusing back on this film, then Chris, like for black audiences, is 
like is this a is this a problem do you think like i said in my original comment when we got on the subject it's a slippery slope right there's going to be deflated balloons once the truth is researched and it comes out um when i send this to my legion of people and somebody's going to chime back i didn't know that the slave trade continued Oh, that's so disappointing. They should have just told the truth in the, in the film and just let it be instead of... I mean, you're going to have... But here is where it's at, though. Is this movie called The Dahomey Uprising End of the Slave Trade? <laughs> or is this called The Woman King? Where the whole thing is the Dahomey's prophecy... Or whatever it was that a woman female leader was going to rise up and be the one to step up and liberate. I don't remember what the prophecy was. I didn't go back and research, but that was that whole thing, the whole subplot with the king and his wives and the little backstabbing, stabbing, conniving one trying to muscle her way, which was stupid because that little thing wasn't going to fight nobody. <laughs> whatever <laughs> but you know everybody's trying to hustle and angle their way into you know who's going to have that spot to be have the king's ear and if we go back and focus on the main thing the main thing was all about viola's character and that valiant brave and absolutely fantastic army Getting in this situation, getting in this battle with the opposition and rising up, taking their casualties, taking their losses, but still standing up and rising up and being triumphant by the time I'm taking the last of my soda down the stadium seating steps and into the trash can and saying, I want to buy that movie that comes on streaming. Or I want to see that again. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Lotus, it, 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 we deal with the disappointment of the actual story, but of the actual story of the people. But as far as if it would be a much bigger blow to discover that there was actual no such woman king, that it was a dude the whole time, and they just changed that into a whole female flow just to get some box office dollars. So, if we go all the way over the river and into the woods, we'll get lost trying to find Grandma's house. Keeping the main thing the main thing. It was all about her. It was all about that dynamic female army. And what was executed in that story was just absolutely fantastic. Period. And I think that's where our focus should be. Because if we keep running down these, well, that wasn't right. That wasn't right. There's a family member who, by the same token, refuses to even watch Hidden Figures. The Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet movie about the great NASA um, scientists, black women. My family member will not watch that movie because he found out that the one issue where Kevin Costner's character takes down the colored whatever bathroom sign that was made up <laughs> that thing canceled the whole movie for that family member and i'm thinking you're the kind of stupid there you're gonna dismiss that whole movie just because of that one scene that's not the point the whole point is what they did it's not about that scene pick your battles pick your battles and i think that's where we end up here in this discussion is like are we fighting the right battles? And are we, you know, again, did we come here to see the, the homie ending of the slave trade or did we come to see the female warriors? Period. Yeah. It's interesting. I read an article recently. Um, I think it was on Dark Horizons, but it doesn't matter. A, a study was conducted of 700 millennials i think and gen z 
might have been Gen Z, about what they're looking for in a film. And, uh, and, and it was really, really interesting. Um, they didn't want films about the uber wealthy. And the number one thing was that they wanted stories that reflected the reality of their world. And it didn't matter if it was science fiction or if it was a grounded drama. It had to reflect their world in some way. And I think we've seen that. I think even even these sorts of criticisms, and again, I think they're it's fair to make these sorts of criticisms because these are bigger conversations than one film. But I think it's interesting that, you know, when I was growing up, we were like, man, that was a great film. That was a great movie. Look at what, ha look at what it said. We didn't question it too much. And yes, social media and, and, and all that stuff is. That's what Jean Lee is saying earlier about yeah. the films of the fifties. You can go to your phone at the end of Cleopatra in 1963 to fact check. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, she, yeah, Jolie brought up like the Cle or Cleopatra or something uh, before. And now they're talking about Gal Gadot playing Cleopatra. And there's, there's negativity because it's not, she, she's not, uh, she's, she's not, Israeli and not Israeli, not Egyptian. And I'm thinking, this is really interesting because what sorts of things do we look for, for, because we've, we've, you know, the film industry has abused reality for so long. But now what expectations do we do we carry into a film, I think, is 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 a, a wild question. To that point, though, we have to give another slice of credit to the woman king, because at least they did not give us the sympathetic white colonizer character either. The insert that. Um, along with sprung nose wide open Spanish guy whose mom is from the home and was stolen. Um, they did not give him like a maid servant or whatever who was enamored by the female warriors and decides that she wants to have a little bit of training on her own to have her ability to stand up on her own two feet. They, they didn't give us that cliche either to the film's credit. They let the film literally stand on the, on the backs of this African sisterhood, which made it so um, uplifting and rapturous for so many of us. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm 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 starting to lean into wrapping up here. So before I do that, any anything else that you guys want to? to share or say about the film? It would be really, 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 really nice if Viola sneaks in and gets the Best Actress nomination in that number five slot. I don't know if what else is coming. You guys went to TIFF, so y'all know what performances are coming, which ones are not. But I can see Viola in that list of the five. Or did they expand actress to seven now since they're trying to overhaul the Oscars now to try to get people to watch? That's another podcast in and of itself because I can fix it in 30 minutes. But You can fix the Oscars in 30 minutes? I definitely can fix the Oscars in 30 minutes. We're going to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, the answer's staring them in the face. They just won't do it because they're snobby. I digress. Um, hopefully... Viola gets one of those nomination spots as we approach the end of the year. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. She entirely deserves it. She, um, I think you said earlier, she like there, you felt like there was a fire within her in this movie. And I completely agree. Like there was, we all know that Viola Davis is like the top talent of like current like generation of, of Hollywood actors so you know when you're going to see a film starring Viola Davis you know you're already in like the uppermost echelon of acting and yet I felt like this was a side of her I had never seen before like there she was just 
I, yeah, I'm just biased because I just thought <laughs> she was incredible and I really, really hope she gets award recognition. Um, I also feel that um, she played such a big role in getting the film made. I didn't know that mm -hmm. it was her and her husband's production company that was one of the companies that produced the film. And she talked about in a, in a panel discussion about how long and hard they fought to get the movie made. So I just think, you know, she did so much like beyond giving an incredible performance where she is just purely a force of nature. I feel like this film was such a labor of love as well. Like from a production standpoint, they fought so hard to get it made. Um, she also <laughs> made a joke about all the physical training that all the actors had to do and all the, you know, the younger stars of the film like Lashana Lynch and John Boyega are like, yeah, we did so much like physical training. And Viola Davis is like, hold on, I'm 56 years old and <laughs> I was doing the training too. So like, you know, she just put so much, I feel like she just put her her whole body and soul into that and into making this movie both as, a, as an actor, as a producer. Um, so yeah, I really hope that she does get award recognition for it. I love Lashana Lynch. I love her. Yeah. Um, I'm sold on her ever since Bond. I'm like, she's fantastic. Bond, Bond, Bond. I mean, Captain Marvel shot potato for you. No, I'm sold on her since Bond. She didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I loved her in Captain Marvel. Say, hey, hate on me. Was she in, she it, was it, it wouldn't be a podcast if I wasn't debating you on something. So now we, I'm officially back in the family. I just well, didn't yeah. do that much in Captain Marvel. I, like she did a whole lot, dude. Come on. Okay. <laughs> No, no. That's what got me excited to see her in Bond, frankly. Mm. Right. I feel like in The Woman King, um, she, again, like just showed a, a, how far and like her, how versatile her range is. And yes. um, I really hope that more people kind of stand up and take notice and hire her for more roles because like, you want to talk about star power she has it you know what i mean there's so rarely nowadays you see a, a you know celebrity of some sort and you're like they have that like star power and i truly feel like she possesses that even so i i saw the film with my partner sean and he was like like as soon as she's on screen he's like is that the girl from captain marvel and i'm like yeah and then at the end he was like I think she was my favorite character in the whole movie. Like, he's like, obviously, I love Viola. I love, like, everyone in the movie. But, like, she's just was such a scene stealer. Like, every scene, your eyes are just drawn to her character and, and what she's doing. So, and, yeah. And, her, and that just added on to all things in her death scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, when her character passed away, um, all the emotion, all the things yeah. came out of exactly as you described in her performance. That was a real sense of loss as an audience member to watch her character go. I totally agree. I um I I had the the privilege of seeing the film with a big audience. So to hear everyone's reaction when that happened was everyone I think in the room, like everyone I know I <laughs> I started crying. Um, I'm a crier too. So <laughs> when you said earlier that you're a crier, I'm like, I totally relate to you. I started crying. The, the the lady beside me like gasped so loud. Like you could feel that moment throughout the whole audience when, the, when mm -hmm. the death scene happened, you really felt it. So yeah, just- And so that just goes back to, as you were saying, tracing her arc. I know Steve didn't get on the bus till no time to die, but from- Captain um, Marvel onward, and when you see her in these major profile roles, she's elevated and elevated and elevated. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see, like you're saying, when she gets her next role. I don't know what she's got upcoming, but hopefully she continues to elevate and they give her the proper place to stand. Because she got the game, for sure. You got it. Definitely. Oh. 
Well, she'll be back in the prequel, The Woman King, Heir to the Empire. That'll be the the, the one, you know, they got to make it a franchise. So this will be the one that takes place before. Uh, mm-hmm. Copyright, copyright. <laughs> copyright screen fish, I do. Um, this, we got lawyers with this company now. Pardon? We got lawyers yet? Uh, no, I know some. Maybe they'll help us. Okay. Um, I was going to say my final thoughts on the film. Just like jumping off what Jolie said about like the film taking so long to make. Um, I'm glad that they were able to like to do it and to have the cast that they did. Because that's another thing. Like we're talking about the cast. The, the cast. Yeah, I think like a lot of all of them are actually really talented and really like versatile in themselves. And so doing roles like this that show kind of their their breadth and depth of, of talent um hopefully then opens doors for them to do more things like that um and also just in terms of like story and we're talking about like should it matter should it not i don't know um just i think because this is um, an african story that i said before too doesn't feel like a caricature of like africa it feels it feels authentic mm-hmm. um I'm also really glad for this film because I'm hoping that then it inspires not just like news stories like it, but even like like African creatives to then like actually try. That's another thing I wanted to get into before was because the film was written by a white woman and some Africans were upset by that. Like, why would you go to Benin Republic and then write this movie and then make money off it? Um, I don't think it's wrong what she did. And I think they all did a good job bringing this movie to life. But then... Yeah, hopefully this just inspires, like, breaks doors down and inspires other people to to try and, like, to actually, you know, make our own stories and, and make them well. Yeah. I I love that you brought that up, too, because that was another thing that Leola Davis said during the panel discussion. She was like, please go buy a ticket and see this movie in the theater because it's not just about, like, you know, a big Hollywood movie starring Viola Davis, like a household name everyone knows. She's like, the more that companies see that a film like this can perform well at the box office, the more they're willing to take a chance on, um, you know, directors that we don't normally get get uh, platformed in Hollywood, right? Um, so she was kind of saying like, I think, yeah, and to the question too, Steve, like, like, does it matter? It definitely does matter, I think. But at the same time, like what Viola was saying was, this is a story that took so long to get made. And ultimately the hope there is that it will open up the doors for more uh, creators to able to get their stories told on a bigger scale. Um, so I think like the film is very important in that way too, um, just to be able to hopefully open doors from readers and she she also did mention the cast as well she's like we have such top-notch talent in this film that their names may not be as long as some of like their white like uh, contemporary peers because there's not given the opportunities the auditions and whatnot that um these other like folks in hollywood are getting so um the hope with or viola said that her hope for this movie was like if people go out and, and buy a ticket and support it and see it hopefully it'll open doors for more creators, more actors. Absolutely. And to that point, the director of Gene and Prince Blackwood has been in this game for over 20 years now, dating back to the unsung cult classic love in basketball with uh, Sonata Lathan and Omar Epps. So that's when I first saw her work in you know, she's had opportunities here and opportunities there, but here she is chugging away, gets this opportunity. And um, again, um, like you're saying, this hopefully will open up more doors for not just black directors, but any female director of color to say, we will give you the budget and we'll give you the means to tell this large canvas story. Mm-hmm. We will invest in you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think every time, every time a film like this comes out that strikes a chord, the hope is that it's going to lead to more. Um, 
and this absolutely it, it works well i this has been so much fun i'm so thankful to have you have you all on on the pod this week i w- we should screen it or scrape it the woman king screen it or skip it screen it okay chase i'm guilty to the sisterhood i'm guilty to the sisterhood <laughs> Show um, screen it 100 and if you can see it on a big screen please do um but just see it in general <laughs> Well, at this point, hopefully, I'll have screened it already, but screen it again. Take somebody with you. Take your kids with you. Take your mama with you. Screen it, screen it, screen it. I mean, it's fine. You can screen <laughs> it on your phone on Netflix when it comes out. And No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I really thought this was great, and I think it's absolutely worth screening if if – and – and a second time, I really do think it's a, it's a solid, it's, it's a solid film across the board. Like Mm -hmm. for all the reasons we've listed, it's solid, but it's also highly entertaining. Like it is a entertaining film. The music is also really, I just need to say that as well. We didn't talk about, the music is amazing in the film too. That's a random, random segue, but yes, I think added a lot of depth to the film and like emotion as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's just a fabulous film. Like from top to bottom, I thought it was excellent. Um, Shay, Jolie, Chris, thank you. This has been wonderful. Uh, I really appreciate having you all on. Um, this, this has been, this has been a great conversation and, and I love, I love chatting with you anyway, but tonight's been really fun. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This was this was so lovely. Thank you all. I really appreciated getting to discuss the film and meeting two new amazing people and yeah. seeing Steve as always. <laughs> I was gonna say Sorry. leaving me out. No, <laughs> <laughs> I could never leave you out, Steve. <laughs> um, no, I, I appreciate it. This has been great. And for you at home, a reminder: you can find us wherever podcasts avail- are available. You can uh, and you can uh, find us on YouTube. Like and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, if you go to the podcast page on screenfish.net, you can download Fishing for More, which are some small group questions to help you get the conversation started where you are with people about the film. Uh, We will be back next week to talk about Triangle of Sadness. Ruben Ostlin's, I think that's his last name, Ruben Ostlin's bizarre comedy. Uh, It's a very different type of film about social justice, but uh, I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, so thank you again. And for you at home, we started the conversation. This was Screenfish. Fish.